0: hi Trey Marcus <laughs> hello hey so do you want to be as uncensored as always
1: uh, probably
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey yeah so kind of like the idea of this podcast is um, is to be uncensored in a way but always with a with like a positive mindset obviously and um, and also to go into topics that, you know, professional interviews wouldn't cover. Right, right. right? So, um, and I really have no, no real idea where we're going to go, but i just like to maybe just start a little bit with reviewing or looking at that, that thing that we have in common, which is like we met via this instrument that we play, right? And I, right. I got my very first instrument from you and, um, and I, yep. Yeah. you have it. You have it there. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. That's the one.
1: You know, and it's not too bad. I took the belt hook off so I actually could play it on my lap.
0: Yes. Yeah. No, it, was, it was a good instrument for me to a start Duke. with. And,
1: and that's still what I use. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah I forgot oh, I that. have it I don't know what to do with it but
1: <laughs> yeah yeah and is that first... right was that was that the first one you didn't you didn't get one of the polycarbonate ones
0: that was the first one
1: ah uh, good for you
0: yeah and um you know I I had uh, called you at um Dreamland Studios in Woodstock when you were there with Sylvian and Fripp I think I don't I don't know if that was A rehearsal or if that was the recording? Yeah, we
1: we were recording. And and what's also interesting, um, I don't have it on hand, but um, I uh, had that was, um, I want to say we we were we were Frank Jolliffe and I were playing around with um, uh, uh, customizing the pickup on the instrument. Yeah. And we had kind of a couple of failed attempts with uh, e- EMG. Is that is that right? Yeah. Uh, just because the, the the string balance is so over the top on our instruments. Mm-hmm. And we couldn't get the EMG right. Like we had made a little lucite plate. And uh, But I had found somebody. It might have been through even Fraza. I can't remember. Somebody in Woodstock who was hand winding pickups. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I had just gotten... Uh, the the this pickup that he had made for me, uh, and I'd slid it into my. I had the twelve string, which is probably why you you got the t- my old ten string, mm-hmm. and I had just started using that new pickup at those sessions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I, actually, I, I don't. I don't know. I don't really know whether I totally like the pickup or not, but Botrell, David Bottrill just got an awesome sound with um, the stick direct mixed with going into the giant SVT amp there. Have you seen it? It's still there. Mm-hmm. And and I've used it when I've been playing with Jerry re- recently, that gigantic, enormous thing. And we just like put it in a whole room and turned it up and uh, made it work. So yeah, that's the, that's the, the Silvian group sessions there.
0: Yeah and you you really had that really great sound back then which was unusual for the instrument.
1: <laughs> yeah, it probably it probably is one of the best. It's 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 a pretty pretty best version of the sound, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's really yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and you know that that was like uh, I think it was maybe 92, right? It must have been 92 because I think I received the stick in early 93. Yeah,
1: well, then it must have been rehearsals then. We were rehearsing there.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, and now, um, like almost 30 years later. Oi. <laughs> <laughs> I remember you sent me like the first couple photos, like Polaroids, you sent me on the stick. Your, your, your feet were on those photos, <laughs> your toes. <laughs> nice.
1: <laughs> Why wear shoes, especially if you're in Woodstock?
0: Yeah. yeah. Hey, so, but the, the first time we really met was um, on Bainbridge Island, I think, in mm-hmm. 98 or 99 or something.
1: I guess, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. I've been trying to relook at some of that timeline because I'm a little confused about what happened when. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And,
0: and, and you
1: know, I have a kind of, I have, I don't have a totally clear memory of that weekend. I think it was kind of a, it was a little bit stressful for for me, bringing the stick into the guitar craft context and trying to figure out what the hell to do and how to fit in, and um, what did we do? Did we did we ever play with a guitarist, or were we all on our own? And
0: uh, to be quite honest, I can't remember. But it was yeah. it was a, a, like it was a course within a course that you were like doing. And, and the Robert context. was running
1: it. Robert no, was it there. No, it was not. It was okay. Not, it wasn't. An okay. It was a Robert Seattle. One. It was a yeah. Seattle guitar circle. Yes. So. yes. So it wasn't as wasn't as high pressure as it could have been, <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: but but uh, yeah.
0: But what I found, uh, what you know, what I still remember was that you showed me, um, which be, the the part that became the base part for construction of light for the piece. Oh, okay. So I was already. But you called it. You called it. I can remember. It was Lark's even six or something. Like oh, back um, then, when you when you right. showed it to me. But but anyway, like what was what was fascinating, and are yeah, coming back to these instruments that we play, was that your introduction uh, at the course was that you said, okay, I have I Trey have no idea how to play this thing, and <laughs> <laughs> and that was that was fascinating, dude. That was like totally unexpected, and but really, um, I I I think in hindsight, that was uh, extremely clever and and. It was also true in a way, and it's still it, it was still totally true. true, and it's still true for all it's of us true. in a way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think that
1: was that was one of the things that um, when I first started playing it, maybe in the first year, um, the the kind of the big revelation for me was that this is such a new instrument, and it's so the articulation is really so unusual. And um, nobody really knows how to do it. Yeah, there's Emmett's little free handbook and there's some good players around. But, but you know, if you just because we both came from different musical backgrounds, you know, I, 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 I was a rock musician, but I also studied classical piano and went to conservatory. So if you wanted to play any of these other instruments, there's hundreds of years of of study and knowledge and, and pedagogy and like people experimenting with how to play it. And you can just slot into that and kind of, you can kind of start at third grade because everybody else is already at eighth grade. And and we're like not even, in, we're not even at pre, like preschool. We're just like playing around with the, you know, you know, it's like we've gotten broken into the physics lab and we're just playing around with the shapes. <laughs> Uh, you know, and so I—I I, I, in fact, I even remember. And I suppose it's okay to say this stuff now. I remember saying in an interview once that nobody's going to know how to play this thing for fifty years. And um, I got a call from uh, Emmett's wife, like within three minutes. You can, you don't don't say that. And it's like, but you know, it's true. And 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 where are we now? We're close to fifty years. We're close to fifty years, right? What, what what's what's seventy one? Was the first stick, something like right? Yes. yes, you know, and and you know what, it's come a long way, it's come a long way, and 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 a lot of it's really because of you. Um, I mean, and and a lot of people, but um, it, it's uh, there's still so much to discover, and it's it's almost like it's um, it's such a specialized instrument and a specialized way of playing, but also the the possibilities are so freaking enormous compared to a lot of other instruments that it's both it's got a blessing and a curse built into it like you you almost need to kind of i mean i don't know how i would recommend people learn to play it And, and, and i don't know what i'll think in 20 years but it's almost like you kind of want to get a broad sense of it and then really figure out where you want to specialize and then maybe once you get kind of decent at that then branch out again i i don't know you know
0: I think the, the one of the main problems is that people don't understand that it actually is a unique thing. Yeah, it's so not so, like a guitar. No, it's not like a guitar, not like a bass, not like a piano, and no. and it's not like a flute. You know, it's not like a saxophone mm-hmm. in a way. But uh, you know, like what the, the solution that I would say that Emma Chapman came up with is to kind of restrict the way that you should play it or you can play it. And yeah. and what he what he kind of like suggests works. And that's that's kind of like that's clever. It's a clever thing. But then like what I experienced even in the like I had only kind of like known Tony, who is a real musician, use the stick, mm-hmm. right? And then I had known you play the instrument and you never really went into the into the way that you should play it. You just played music on it. You just came up with parts that worked and sounded great. But when you
1: should, should play? You mean like the like the kind of the solo approach that well, that well
0: should I know like like this the, the thing to like use three uh, three fingers, right. or, you right. know, right. and and stuff stuff like that, and the chord yeah. shapes, which there are like four or five really, like for the left hand and stuff like that. And you never did that, and 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 that is uh, you know sort of like coming from more like an ensemble player perspective. Rather than a solo player, exactly. Yeah, and, and and that was also kind of like what I was interested in. But then, um, like actually having getting the instrument, I was absolutely shocked. I remember it was really a shock to my system to realize, okay, like all these dreams I had about it, right? Like what you know, it just doesn't work. It's it's it just doesn't work. Like you know, you can you can imagine it all you want, right? But once you have it in your hands, like. Things don't work the way you think, yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, and then seeing seeing that people were hitting the ceiling so quickly, like you could have the instrument for a week and you could play everything you were you will be able to play for all your life, mm-hmm. and, and that yeah. was that was just shocking to me because I I loved the whole idea of it, loved the sound and everything was kind of like, and so that's why. For me, it was like I went into research mode right away, and said, "Okay, like." And then uh, finally meeting you and getting input from you was very, very, very useful for me. And actually, this uh, uh, what I what I now call the Pentacord approach, which you also called the Pentacord, is kind of like really is the solution, is the key to at least getting the instrument into to an acceptable level <laughs> let's say, mm-hmm. right and this is kind of like where I'm at and with what I'm teaching nowadays.
1: and you know just thinking about that actually two two things I, I, I want to stick in there you know what was shocking for me was that when I first picked it up it was like holy shit this is the instrument I should have been playing the last 10 years mm-hmm. I've been I've been doing all the I've been trying to do stuff on the guitar and the piano and the bass and it's the wrong instrument and it was like hooray and then like four days later I was like holy shit now, I see if you want to play this really well, it's going to be an insane amount of work. You've got extra fingers, like guitarists, you know, you, you, you like all the to be able to do it and then like to know the fretboard. And there's so many strings and there's six ways to play a C, the same C. No, it's like, oh my God, you know.
0: Um, but, um, you know, Trey, it was actually this very room I'm sitting in right now because I'm visiting my parents. Oh, so this—it's awesome. this very room that I first took the <laughs> instrument out of the case, and, <laughs> yeah, give it over. <laughs> I it you. <laughs> and and it was—it was really this moment. Like this is not this is, has not been made for planet Earth. That was kind mm. of what I was, th- what I yep. was thinking. So yep. so yep. that means yep. like I well, but back then I have to create this alien world around it mm. for it to work. And I, I spent, I had the, I, I was playing Chapman Sticks for like maybe five, six years. And then, um, you know, um, I was really fascinated with the eight string war guitar. Like when you, uh, I don't know whose idea that was but I think that's genius. And I still think that the eight string- It was, was my idea.
1: <laughs> it's, Actually, you know, we were trying to figure out, um, Mark and I were trying to figure out um, he had come up with. Some, oh, I'm talking about Mark Warner. Actually, before we go to that, I just want to say um, when you're talking about the pentachord and how that opened up things. You know, to me, it just occurred to me now the reason why, at least, it, it opened. How I see it opening up things. And when we say the pentachord, we're talking about using both hands to play a line on one string. Wouldn't you say that's? Uh, yeah. The, the thing about that is you said, um, I'm. I'm not. I'm not going to do kind of the the, um, the boogie woogie ragtime piano approach where the bass is doing this and playing chords and then this is soloing. I'm just going to release all of that and just say, look, let's just look at one string, both hands on the one string, playing a single line as if I was a clarinet. Yes. And I think that that's where... For me and I, I i you probably think so even stronger that's where the instrument enters into the the orchestra of instruments yes you know where, where now it can be now it can come into um like a super simplistic scale down this but also now the potential opens up from a from a, 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 a like a ground a solid grounding exactly uh, otherwise it's just too much like this, this is what you get to maybe after, I mean, what I used to say is like after a hundred years or 200 years, maybe you get to that, <laughs> but you, you've got to just like, how, do you, how do the two hands work together? Yeah. You know, that's, yeah. that's, the thing. Yeah, exactly. um, so yeah. Then, then, then moving on to Mark war who, um, uh, built the instruments that I played after that, um, We, I I can't remember how it initially started with the idea of the eight string, but it was, it was kind of like the instrument had always been stereo with a bass side and a treble side and two different sounds and all this gear and all this, there's like kind of a, it feels like, I don't know, it feels like you're going to a jousting match with a horse and a a pole and like all this armor and you got to get your, it's like, what? couldn't i just what would a strip that what how do we simplify this thing and then um we had just kind of uh the six piece crimson had kind of fallen apart and we were just going into this um and i'd be curious now what instrument i played on the very first uh projects but we went into these improvising projects and that's where i started using that really started using the eight string and um the first eight string. I mean, I have it right here. It's pretty cool.
0: The first eight string. I have them both. Yeah. So I guess you're bringing the black one, right? Yeah. The
1: first one was this black one.
0: Yes. And, and the, the black one is the one that I saw because there was a photo of you with that instrument in Guitar Player or something.
1: Yeah, and it's yeah. it's it's very cool, and it's it's um. I don't know what, I think, you know, actually, I think Mark was trying with this one, Mark was trying to wean me away from the paduke because it's very difficult to work with mm-hmm. and it's, it's toxic. So he has to like cover his whole shop in plastic and wear masks. And so he was trying to get me into a swamp ash and uh, body. And so we made the the H string and I I loved it. And it also had some problems, which we've all solved and, and you've solved. The, the, the biggest one is that this, the lower string feels like the action is way higher mm. than the high string because it's so big. Mm. And this one also has a pokey sound, um, which is kind of cool. It's, it's very cool for guitar parts. For bass parts, it didn't really work that well. So then we went to the, this eighth string, um, back to the patook, and Mark did a... Um, he radiused the... Mm-hmm prep board on the bass side, so that actually the level of the strings feel like it's flat. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, this must have been what I use with the projects because it, it still has the... I was using the rolling yeah, MIDI. Yeah, you,
0: you did. And that, that was also like my instrument that was the sister instrument to yours.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, it's still pretty cool. Um, <laughs> it's funny, I was talking with somebody about this MIDI thing the other day and how... I'm so glad I don't even bother with it anymore. Yeah. Um, and it was the, it
0: was quite cool. I mean, I I saw Project One and Project Two at the Jazz Cafe in London, and you used the the MIDI extensively. And
1: yeah, I yeah. liked it. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just it's just like I simplified the instrument and then complicated the electronics. <laughs> so <laughs> that's like you know, I mean, uh, if anything, I feel like. Um, I've had, I really had to adjust over time with the fact that the instrument and the tuning and the processing is just changes. Like every two or three years, it completely changes. And it's it's frustrating to not uh, um, feel like you just have your instrument and that you get to play it for 30 or 40 years, like a violinist or just like a heavy metal guitarist. They don't have to deal with all this stuff. They just have their vocabulary, they have their guitar, they have their guitar sound, they have their amp. But for, for for me, it's just changed a lot. And um, but I found that um, the eight string didn't give me the the bass sound that I needed when I was really tracking serious bass stuff. So I kind of I've gone back to now just a ten string. Mm-hmm. And um, but I'm you know uh, I don't know if we've talked about this, but um, I've been in conversation with. Uh, Aaron, I can't remember Aaron's last name. The the, the guy who plays the weird bass instrument and in Buke and Gase. Do you know mm-hmm. the yeah. guys? Mm-hmm. And we've been talking about him building me a horizontal instrument because that's how I play horizontally now. And I, I haven't figured out what the string configuration is going to be at first, but it's going to be some more closer version to the eight string. Mm-hmm. It might even just be seven strings. I don't. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, most people know we play in fifths, so it's, it's, uh, that's, a that's part of the equation. That's part of the equation and also why the two hands work so well. Exactly. Um, in the fourths tuning, um, like Emmett does on the top side, you can do, you can kind of wheedle around on the top side in a, I don't know, more melodically satisfying way than one hand on our instrument. I th- I think. It depends.
0: Yeah, yeah. But even then, even with that with that tuning, I think the, the pentachord approach that we already mentioned is is kind of like superior because you have more control and you actually know where the notes are along the string. Right. Rather right, than, right rather than thinking positionally. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because as I I have I, I believe that Moving along the string is necessary to actually get a good note or yeah, a good tone out of the instrument, get a good sound. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's why that's why it is. Uh, uh, but anyway, like, um, and that's how I think
1: of the instrument. Anyway, at this point, I I, I always think, especially once I put it on my lap, I think um, I don't know what you call it if it's longitudinally or, or horizontally, but the, the, uh, the, along the length of the string and not across the strings. For me, yes. I look at it like if I'm playing a 10-string instrument, it's basically 10 instruments yes. yeah. next to each other.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. Okay. Yeah, so um, maybe let me jump to, to early this year when I started working with uh, Sean Crowder, who's an amazing dude, really wonderful wonderful person and yeah. a great drummer. And um, I had met him at a, at a show in Berlin uh, maybe a year and a half ago. And actually we we met for he's a He's not he's not he's not German, right? No, he's American but he is in Germany. He lives in He, he lives, lives in Berlin, Berlin. yeah. And, nice. and and so like we went out for, had a drink for drink and we talked and like we were talking about YouTube and YouTube formats and ideas and stuff and then like I said to him, "Hey Sean, why don't you teach me drums and I teach you touch guitar." And that was just like, you know, but then it like it stuck you know and just last year um in november he contacted me and said marcus i want to do it i want to learn touch guitar wow. And and so like that's the, that's what we're starting with and maybe we'll do the marcus the Lewis other as well <laughs> that would be awesome well he uh, would be a great guy to learn from I'd, I'd be curious to see how he
1: approaches uh kind of the grounding of it the beginning of it you know that'll be really interesting and and he should do it because He's a great drummer but if he taught you how to play drums he would be a better drummer.
0: For sure. sure exactly and that's that's kind of like what I'm also experiencing like really having somebody who has like no expectation really and but great exp, you know, experience experienced learner right? And like it's so funny because like he's he's uh, maybe 15 16 years younger than I am and like just from my perspective as an experienced musician, but really like more in the, more in the global sense, musician, you're not just like, I, it's, it's amazing to see how I can get him into a trance by (laughs) saying the things that I say, it's kind of like, it's amazing. Like, like even he gets into these, Woo, what's going on. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But it's, uh, it's fascinating to see that um, like the, the concerns that, you know, both you and I had for so for, for decades, that it will always take a long time for people to actually get an insight or have an idea of how it may be to play it freely, um, mm. and he's like in, even after three months, he's really like just last week we set up um, a small uh, looper pedal for him, and um, so the, oh, it, was go the crazy. it was the first time that he was actually improvising on a drone and I let him uh, loop an a, uh, an a or a D or whatever, and, and he was just playing the white keys, right? Just the C major mm-hmm. scale on top of that. And I, was, I have to say that that very first improvisation he did on the drone was beautiful. Mm-hmm. It was pretty amazing, like, you know, just like coming from this little bit of information, I, well, it's a lot of information, but he had only had three, uh, well, not even three months to practice. Mm-hmm. it I think we're we're actually a step further finally finally mm-hmm. and i I'm still hoping for like the the young people i know i mean young like in their teens to pick up the instrument kind of like they come to us they get like all the information we have within like a th- few months and then they go ahead and they reinvent this whole instrument in terms of mm-hmm. painting that's kind of like what i'm what i'm what I hope will happen right right
1: wow awesome yeah yeah I, I definitely enjoyed I've only seen a couple of the ones with with Sean but um, I definitely enjoyed it because it's just so compact with the, the info and, and watching him um, you know the struggle for us is like you say it's been decades but to watch him kind of go through the whole struggle in in, in, a, in a microscope is is great yeah. yes great
0: yeah. So your um I was thinking if I'm I'm not I I wasn't sure if we should talk about your relationship with Robert Fripp maybe a little sure. bit because it's also tightly tightly related with your your uh, your journey with the instrument, right? With the with the touch yeah. instrument. Yeah. Yeah. So so yeah. the the very first um project after say the guitar craft involvement that you had, like you were involved in guitar craft, um was um the Frip Frip band, right? Yeah. With foyer. Yeah. yeah. And um what, what do you remember about that time? Um, well, it was super exciting
1: because I was playing this new instrument that um uh, like suddenly felt like I was at home. Mm-hmm. You know, and also um I I uh there's such a history to the guitar that just didn't quite suit me. So I kind of had this, 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 I don't know, to have the future of what you can do on an instrument, like wide open was just so great. And then, um, working with Robert, you know, the, 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 and then the drummer, Paul Beavis that I I've just been going through, I've been going through digitizing all my old cassette recordings, and I just finished all the ADATs the other day. Uh, but I s- actually started with some of these old Sunday all over the world tapes, which what the Frit Frit Band turned into. Mm-hmm. And their rehears- the, the rehearsal writing tapes were just fantastic, uh, fascinating, even before we had Toya in, um, because um, <sighs> Robert was kind of doing this kind of playing. and and. It, it, I don't really know what was going on with him, but it was it was um, it was a kind of playing that I don't even know that I, I, I have never heard him do before, and I don't even know that he's done since. And it's not necessarily represented on the record totally, mm-hmm. but there was this kind of playing that it had a it had a like almost um, there was a lot of harmonic movement, mm-hmm. which is not really Robert's thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking like kind of. Tr- i've used the word traditional harmonic movement in very loosely it wasn't traditional but there was just we were moving through lots of different chords and stuff and um it had a it had a beatles vibe the way the harmony was moving so much and not um not kind of boxed in like um definitely like crimson is very boxed in uh, harmonically Um, You know, unless you're talking about a song where Adrian's kind of run with the harmony, but even still this was even more so so it was this fascinating kind of discovery and it was a, it was a weird time because I had been Robert's student on the guitar and now we were playing together. So that was kind of this, um, I think we were both trying to um, kind of unsettle that relationship and figure out a new way to just kind of cut loose. And we had a great drummer, and it was cool. And then, you know, we didn't we didn't do that many shows. Um, it didn't. The band didn't last that long. <laughs> In fact, I think we made the record and didn't ever do any more shows. Um, which is not it's not atypical of how things have happened with Robert along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, and also the thing was they were. It's funny that they're doing this whole. <clears throat> um lockdown sunday thing together where they're playing together because they um uh, he and toya because it wasn't uh they were trying to figure out how to do how to work together at the time and and um sometimes it worked really smoothly and sometimes it didn't and i felt like i was kind of in the middle of all of that <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we made some really cool stuff and there's there's a uh, um I don't know what's going to happen with all these recordings, but um, there's some cool outtakes and other stuff that didn't didn't make it onto the record.
0: Yeah. So, Paul Beavis, who who is he? He was okay. So,
1: man, there's some there's a couple of great stories about Paul, um, but I, <clears throat> I won't I won't tell them all. Paul Robert Paul was a local drummer in uh, I think in Bournemouth, uh, where where which is just south of where. Um, Robert and Toya were living, Paul played on, I believe it's the second, um, Andy Summers for record.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And so, uh, I don't know who f- Robert found him again and said, you know, come do this thing. So, yeah. And he's, he's gone on to play with, um, some pretty big English pop acts. Um, yeah. Um, he actually played, I don't even think I can tell this story anyway. He, he, uh, he played on, he played on some of Andy's. He, he, when the, when the police would do a record, each of the guys would go off and make demos and then bring them to the band. And he played on Andy's demos. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you the rest of the story. Yes. Someday. <laughs> <laughs> but he was, a, he was a sweet guy. And, and I haven't seen him since. I think we had like, uh, he still uh, he was teaching drums a lot, and um, I can't remember who he plays with now.
0: But it's it's pretty uh, you know it's pretty big, high profile. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think his drumming is is pretty amazing. It's really yeah 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 super. And unique. there was
1: yeah yeah, especially the, uh, the, the 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 title track "Sunday All Over the World." We kind of hit the hit the nail on all of it, and and Paul's drumming on that is is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. he was actually. Uh, it, it was interesting because I had had this, this idea that, um, basically Robert hated symbols mm-hmm. for like my 20 years leading up to, to working with Robert or not 20 years. But, and, um, when Paul started playing his symbols, I was like, oh shit, Robert's going to chew him an asshole. I don't know what's going to happen. And, um, Robert loved his symbol playing. He's like, you're, he's like, you, you do symbols. You you do the most awesome symbols. I and mean, he even said his symbol work on the on the track Sunday all over
0: the world is like peak symbol work. So and <laughs> hey, so the the um initial writing sessions were with Paul? Did you write as a uh, yeah. Or?
1: Yeah. 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 We would meet uh well uh, we would meet in T- Tony Arnold's uh, little studio, which was in a different town. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I believe. I really can't remember now which studio it was, but it was just
0: some little place yeah yeah I, th- I think I bought your uh, raw power tape the cassette that you had put out pretty early on so I maybe just a year or so after uh, there it is yeah exactly beautiful <laughs> and and uh, I still have a copy and um, it was pretty clear to me then which tracks came kind of like came from you because there are a couple pieces on the the, uh, uh there's actually yeah these
1: are some of these are actually essentially demos for um a, a couple of tracks transient joy we turned into yeah. something and yeah. uh and i just digitized all those and um uh just a little aside do you, do you know bill fourth yeah i do of course so bill took years like 20 25 years ago he took one of those tracks and sang over it mm-hmm. and it's just been sitting here forever. And then when I got, when I was digitizing, I found the original four tracks and I got the four tracks over. And then I found Bill's version. I was like, you know what, this is really good. And I wrote Bill and I was like, you should give me the, give me the vocal, you know, on its own and I'll remix it. And you know what? Take all this other music from the, this raw power thing and sing over all of it. And so that's what he's doing right now.
0: Wow. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And your first solo album, which was um, all stick, right? Yeah. So with, okay. with, with drums and uh, percussion and your yeah. voice, your singing and, and also like uh, yeah. spoken, spoken word stuff. I, I still really like it because, because of that, the fact that you made the stick sound great. Mm. Right? Like I think mm. it's, it's a really wonderful, wonderful piece of work and um how did that kind of like come about how did that fit in the timeline of yeah
1: so what's what's really great about that record is that uh, we're talking about 1000 years is that it actually came um, after the Sylvian and record um so i had um i just had a whole lot more experience um, pretty much watching Dave the, the two Davids, Bottrell and Sylvian, mm-hmm. how they—I guess we use the word produce, but uh, but, mm-hmm. but it's more—it's really the sculpt is sculpt is the right word.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, there was a lot of um, putting lots of layers and then going back and erasing ninety percent of it because we were on tape back then, mm-hmm. and so I kind of did my best with that on the ADATS where you know, erasing is pretty dodgy and sometimes you screw it up. You got to punch out. And, um, so, but I, but I, I, I feel like that record and and there's some great stuff on it. There's some, some other okay stuff, but it's still, it still holds up. Um, I feel like the, that if I had done it like two years earlier, it would have been something totally different, uh, but because of this, 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 um, really the sculpting process and um, uh, that really helped that. And and the thing that I was, I did a lot of singing earlier. And when I go back and listen to a lot of it, it's really, really hard for me uh, to hear. But the thing that I really wanted to try to get on this was I've always wrestled with this Um this sense of the singer songwriter and not just with myself, but just in general, like there's the, there's this, um, vocal viewpoint of, in the worst case scenario, I'm going to tell you something, you know, and then the other is just look at me and, but I still love the voice. So I was kind of trying to figure out how to find ways to, to use the voice as a sound Mm-hmm. And, and use the lyrics as um, evocative rather than um, um, narrative or diatribe or rhetoric, and and so yeah, yeah. And then there are a couple. There are a couple of uh, that one. I had a couple of extras. I, it's a couple of female singers that I knew at the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm going to remix that. I've got, I've got almost everything sorted out. There's a couple of places where I, I, I'm missing some parts. So I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do, but, um, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: yeah, and that was, that was actually one of the first, I'm sure it wasn't the first record on ADATS, but it was one of the first and even living in New York city, I thought I'm, I'm making this in my little, I had like a little, basically a closet in the back of the apartment with a little ADAT. And I think I only had one, maybe I had two ADATs. I can't remember. Um, And I thought, well, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to splurge and take my tapes into a real studio and get them mixed by a real professional. And I could only find two places in all of New York City. There was one in New Jersey that even had ADATs and they weren't even they were just like little crappy demo studios. Uh, You know, I'm sure if the guy hears that, he'll, he'll he'll understand. (laughs) It was like a 16 channel board with two ADATs. Mm -hmm. And we were, you know, still running through this kind of medium club level mixer board to, to mix. That was, that was all you, that's all, all you could do.
0: So So that's kind of my,
1: that's my interest for remixing it really. Not, not because I could make it uh, because I want to change anything just to, just to clean it up. And so was was David Buttrell involved.
0: in no, mixing it? no,
1: no, not that one. Not that one. Okay. No, I mixed it in pieces. Even my friend Bob percussionist who who made dangerous music and is married to Happy Roads and all and we we worked for many, many years in, in the in tray gun band and stuff. He didn't even really have a he went on to like make a big Neve studio in New York, but he had like a an eight track TAC. And like a little mixer board. And one of the, one of the pieces comes off of that. So it was just kind of cobbled together with eight And I think one of the tracks I just mixed myself without even, I didn't even have any external reverb. uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah. The one thing that I was able to do was get a, a, I did go to a mastering studio, but um, uh, the thing is the guy was uh, the new, it was like a new digital mastering system. And the guy was kind of new to it and he was more of a classical master. So the, the level is just insanely low on the original. Okay. <laughs> so that that'll get fixed.
0: But you know, the, the I think it's it's sort of an important record in a way, because it brings together a few worlds that had not collided yet. So mm-hmm. it's like it's like what I was actually surprised I that Michael Brooke was in the band when you guys played the, yeah. the flip stuff. And yeah. so your record has some of that, right? Yeah. I think. Yeah. And it has, it has the uh, sort of like the progressive slash world kind of rhythm aspect mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. It has mm-hmm. the Chapman stick sounds and mm-hmm. it has the, let's say like the Fripp inspired soloing and also mm-hmm. harmonies. And and I think it's... And, that's and, and the it, world, world percussion too. And the world percussion, exactly. Yeah. And and it's sort of, and the looping, right? The looping yeah. as well. And so yeah. so it has like this... Um, and that's why I st- I have to say maybe it's still my favorite record of yours. Yeah. It's like just just the initial mood that each piece has, yeah. like the atmosphere that kind of you know appears in the room when I put it on. Yeah. Is sort of like it's so immediate and it's so it's yeah. it 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 also represents the meeting of the worlds that kind of like I was sort of like dreaming would would happen, like being yeah. a Sylvian yeah. fan and. You know, yeah. listening to David's solo stuff, and then you know the King Crimson and everything kind of like comes together in that record beautifully. And I bought I bought it at a, at the sylvan Frick show uh, in, in Oh Holland, in Holland. That's right, they let me sell it at that show. Yes, it was. Uh, they only let it sell it at the, only at one show or on the whole. Uh, you tour. know
1: what? I think I think I might have had the only record in the merch thing because we weren't allowed to sell our own. We weren't allowed to sell this record.
0: <laughs> no, there was. I'm pretty sure there was um, um, the Robert Trip String Quintet. You're right, and your record, and yeah, maybe the California Guitar Trio or something. Maybe so, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah so like right. the first three DGM uh, albums, yeah, yeah, like <laughs> and and you know, I
1: think the thing about that record too, and maybe that's part of the kind of excitement of it is, I tried to. Uh, I tried and I think successfully, like, got as many different things that you could do with the stick that I could do with it on it. You know, I processed it in all the possible ways that you could and tried to just, you know, use it as use, use it as much as possible.
0: Yeah, and you were doing like the percussive stuff on the pickup and, and yeah. all of that stuff. It, yeah, it was, it was great. And yeah. probably, I mean, it's almost, it's, it's possible
1: even looking at it. It may be that all those things that I did is still what I do. You know, just in a different, you know, just in in different way. It's all, it's all there. Yeah.
0: Sure. 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 It is. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is something that we like as artists sometimes forget that we're not necessarily different now than we were twenty five years ago. Oh no. It's like, and but that also means that we are we were already perfect in the sense back then, right? So Mm. like what we did back then was also valuable. Like, and like I, because I I sometimes have this problem that I still kind of like get into this vibe because you know, like when people are skeptical about what I do, then I start thinking, okay, I need to be better or I need Mm. to do something different or, Mm -hmm. but I've started to realize that that's wrong. I mean, like it's just that people don't get it or don't want to get it or whatever, and it's fine, right? Um or yeah. they just don't like it. They just don't yeah, like yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. 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 Yeah. And that's yeah. and and um but the, the, the problem is that uh it's it's difficult, you know, like and I can certainly say that's for me, it's like I would like to be generally accepted, right? As a person, mm. to be seen yeah. as a person. And this is kind of like the most of us have this, right? Yeah. And yeah. and it's uh um, in in music, we as people who create, um, yeah, music or sound, it's it is as if it's like maybe the, like the strongest mirror, or 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 um, what is the word uh, catalyst, right, for emotions and for feedback and for for disappointment and for success and for happiness and joy, but like yeah. also the other side and like navigating this. Uh, is uh, is probably like one of the biggest challenges for...
1: You know, um, and I or was, or... it's funny, I was thinking about this just last night because I came across a clip of a David Sylvian track on YouTube last night that I hadn't heard and it's pretty recent. Mm-hmm. And I had this exact feeling about David. Like I wondered if um, David feels exactly this. Mm-hmm. And I bet he does.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I, I, I suppose um, you know we have the sense of these uh, these musical icons that just radiate so much confidence. And probably it's not true. <laughs>
0: I agree. I know, mean, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's very probable. And you yeah. see, like in in David's work, you can see that he was uh, constantly trying to reinvent himself.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, uh...
1: But you know, I, I one of the one of the real huge benefits of this uh, quarantine for me is going back through and digitizing all my recordings mm-hmm. and seeing like, um, well, first of all, how awesome the first recordings are. I mean, the I have the very first thing I ever made on four track with my drummer friend John Keating in Texas. When you guys hear this, it's fucking amazing. I mean, it's, 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 it's not, um, it's not mature, but there's like all this, uh, we just went a hundred percent into it, you know, with just four tracks and, and, uh, it's really, it's, it's really great. Um, but, um, looking at the overview and seeing like, uh, here's an early version of this idea and here it is again. And here it is again, 20 years later, and it's fascinating. And even like this whole period is pretty shitty. Like one whole section of like several, maybe five-year period, like, okay, it's all pretty not good, not really, not not once you step back and like, man, I feel embarrassed for, uh, I feel embarrassed for myself and everyone who was there. <laughs> It's just that whole time period, you know. But there's still the ideas are the ideas are still the same ideas. It's just something else is something else has changed, and then you see it come around, and it's, it's fascinating.
0: Yeah, you know, for me, the um, playing with Borrow time tape that I also had, which was before your stick time, you oh. also have a copy there. <laughs> um, yep. <laughs> um, sort of like maybe is the best example or like for me like proof of what you said that when you discovered the stick it sort of like was the instrument for what you were composing in a way mm. if i mm. find that that album is a really good example like it already sounds like something that should have been played with a stick it
1: should have been played should have been played on our instrument yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. that I don't want to say I can say confidently that I will never re-record any of that on the instrument, mm-hmm. but I don't think I'll, I would ever do that. Somebody else can do that. But yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I agree. That's where, um, when was it? Oh, it's pretty.
0: 85 or something.
1: Yeah. So, you know, this is right before I met Robert.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: This one's right before I met Robert. And then um, this one, yeah, the I Magic am. If was right after
0: yeah.
1: the second Guitar Craft, uh, uh, second level two course. And this one's obviously influenced by, you know, stuff that we did. This one, I bet you don't have that
0: one. No. Punishment Farm's no, greatest. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Everybody's going to get to hear this stuff eventually. Um <laughs> But yeah, it is. It is interesting to see those ideas. So eighty. I mean, the the for me, the, the that's what's weird about being older and looking back. That eighty five to eighty seven was when I was playing the stick with Sunday all over the world, and that's eighty five. There, It's like a different you. Same, similar, but like so much change. So much change in there.
0: Yeah. In in only a couple of years, it's um, yeah. 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 I, I wonder if that um, could still be the case for us at an advanced age, right? Like maybe, maybe it's the same, but we don't really see it that clearly anymore.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I would be happy if the last thing I recorded is as good as the first thing I did in <laughs> 1978. That would be an awesome way to go out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, wonderful. Hey and and um, I spoke with uh, Robert Fraza also for one of these.
1: Yeah, movies. I saw that. I haven't gotten to watch that yet, but I, I, I really want to check it out because I realized that I spent so much time around Fraza, but there's actually, I, I, there's a lot of things I don't know about him.
0: You know, that's why I re- wanted to talk with him because, like, nobody knows much about him. <laughs> so, but, uh, but anyway, like he said that, um, so just continuing the timeline a little bit if you work with, with Robert. Um mm-hmm. So you said that you guys had a session um, for what was supposedly um, you know was supposed to become King Crimson with Jerry I mean yeah. that's that's something that was kind of like already uh, even like published back then in, in a newspaper or, I, or in a magazine I seem to remember was that just the three of you do you remember
1: uh, what the the way the timeline worked was that we we the the sylvian frips project had started with just david and robert and i originally we did a couple of tours in japan and and uh in italy and then when it came time to make the record um they wanted to bring in a drummer and and i don't know flush things out so we had set up a rehearsal time and i have it as an in my memory, we're in in dreamland, but we might have been in Applehead, which is, I think Mm -hmm. Robert was running. Uh, We to go there and rehearse with David and Jerry and Robert. And David had a visa problem and couldn't get into the country. Mm -hmm. So Robert and Jerry and I played for the week. Mm -hmm. And I have tapes of all of that. It's freaking great. Um, and of course, we played through this, the few things that we had with David, but we couldn't really go very far with it without David. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of the songs were pretty short. And, uh, you know, it needed, it needed kind of massaging. So Robert just started pulling out crimson ideas and other ideas that we'd been floating around. I have, you know what else I have right here? Mofos. Look at these tapes. That's tapes of just Robert and I playing in my little closet. Wonderful. Um, anyway, uh, so so I think w- we just started playing ideas with Jerry and then um, then the next thing that happened was, I don't think we ever even rehearsed with Jerry and David. I think we just booked the dreamland and went in and arranged there. Uh, so then uh, when Robert was wanting to start up Crimson, the idea was we're, we'll do it with Jerry. And then uh, this was after the uh, the and Fripp tour and everything. So then we, we met as a five piece and, you know, I was in such kind of shock to be in the room with Tony and Adrian and, uh, you know, that, uh, and Jerry still, I mean, I, Jerry's such a warm guy, but his, his history for me was almost um, just more daunting than the crimson guys because of the mm-hmm. Peter Gabriel records. And, yeah. and, uh, but he was so sweet to me. I was always asking Jerry, like, am I, am I playing behind the beat? Am I, you know, how am I doing? He's like, ah, oh, you're fine. Mm-hmm. It's the other guys I'm worried about. <laughs> 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 you know? So, um, but, um, yeah, then we then we met as a as a five piece, and I, to be honest, I think we didn't even play thirty minutes, and Robert was already, this isn't this isn't right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think we played we we had two days of rehearsal, something like that, and that that evening, um, Robert, I don't know, he he came into the kitchen or something because we were staying in the house, and he was cool, probably the most distraught I've ever seen him. Mm-hmm. Like what? A, I think he was doubly distraught because this wasn't working and he knew that he was going to have to go for two drummers <laughs> and even that concept was just terrifying to him he was like yeah, what do we do I was like I think we better call he's like I think it's Pat and Bill I was like who do I call first I think I, I was like I think you better check in with Pat first yeah. So, yeah.
0: so I remember just remember the detail that I want to uh, ask you about so um some of the of the first day record has Jerry's drumming and some tracks only have drum loops yeah and and so and just tell me if i'm wrong but i heard that there was some sort of like falling out between David and and Jerry at some point in the studio right probably yeah. right so yeah, yeah. so what i found funny and i tell me if that's maybe related to the falling out does it say in the credits on the First day, uh, Jerry Marauder drums and cowbell or something. <laughs> I don't know. If it <laughs> does, that would be hilarious.
1: <laughs> well, the funny the funny part of the story is um, that I mean, there's lots of funny parts, and of course, all of this this is just Trey's memories. I, it could be it could be wrong, and everybody has other perspectives. But yeah. the funny thing was that uh, somewhere in that session. Jerry was kind of conferring about, and Jerry's a huge David Sylvian fan. I mean, for him, Brilliant Trees is one of the, the top records ever made. Um, yeah. So huge respect for David and really happy to be there. And, and but I think he was like inquiring with, or maybe he, maybe when he was set up his drumming, he put a cowbell there and, and David came and said, you know, there's only two, basically, there's only two things I hate four on the floor and cowbell and i feel like jerry just right at them picked up the drums and started doing both at the same time or at least it was like a joke between us in between things he would he would just play around with that so i don't know i have to check the credits i don't think there's there's probably not cowbell on the record
0: there might be there is there is there is
1: is. well you know he did jerry just did some of the most inventive stuff inside that music that you'd almost not really even notice Mm -hmm. um you know he did you know we did what we basically we had these very short little tunes um uh 20th century dreaming was called splatology at the time and firepower well basically we played them as a trio without drums and you know they were like three minute tunes
0: mm-hmm.
1: and we would play them in the studio and then nobody was ready for the song to be over so then we would just go into what ended up being these extended codas mm-hmm. And, um, the, the first one, the firepower, Jerry basically plays a regular kind of a soul groove, but he puts, he starts the groove on the end of two instead of one. And I'm the one holding the groove and freaking brilliant. It's freaking brilliant and really hard to, I mean, I really was on the edge of my seat, like trying to hold it together. So, and there may be cowbell on that as well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I I think his drums sound really great on that record, and like yeah. like all yeah. the all the detail he puts into those jams, like which keeps them like even the, the polyrhythmic stuff like so groovy yeah. and so It's it's, yeah. it's 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 great, and it's kind of it's kind of it's to me still so interesting that Pat ended up playing the tour, right? So, yeah, and uh, and you know what's really funny too is that. When Pat came
1: to the do the auditions, he had learned the music so well, much better than we knew it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had learned, Jerry had done a couple of like um, uh, poly, polymetric, um, like symbol overdubs. Mm-hmm. Pat didn't, Pat just thought that was the drum part. So he had learned the whole playing the beat on starting at two and a half. And then, <laughs> um, then also like this three on the, you know, which, okay, nowadays it's not quite over the top, but at the time that was a totally over the top thing to do. And he just mm-hmm. like, oh, I hear the drums doing that, so I'm just going to learn that.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, so did you, well, you probably know, but um, Pat told me that it was actually Bill Forth. He, like, like, uh, so Pat went to buy a rotary speaker or something from Bill Forth and then Bill told him about the uh, the audition. Oh, the auditions! Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's there's Bill forth again. There we go. <laughs>
1: Great
0: one Bill. Yeah, yeah. Well, one wonderful stuff, Trey. I mean, there's there's so so if if that first session there with with Jerry and King Crimson only lasted thirty minutes, then it doesn't really make sense to ask this question. And you know, I was just wondering if if any of the music that then you know. A, appeared on the vroom ep if if stuff if that was already around then yeah oh it definitely was
1: was. yeah i have i have um i have recordings of us playing through vroom uh well i have i have robert and i playing it as duo before Mm -hmm. there was and then i Mm have jerry um jerry and robert and i and the form is pretty much there i didn't um we didn't have um, uh, uh, Tony's fretless melodic lines in the middle of the mm-hmm. finger mm-hmm. section. Mm-hmm. I wasn't doing that. I was still trying to figure out like what the hell to do in that section. So, uh, mm-hmm. but we have versions of Vroom and um, maybe that's it. Vroom, Vroom was the Vroom was the, the 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 nose of the rocket. That whole that whole
0: yes that yeah. whole track record, you know. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So, man, like, I'm—I I know that you only have like ninety minutes, right? Or, yeah, I got another twenty. Twenty. You got, 20. got another twenty yeah. minutes. Okay. Yeah. So, because it, it seems like maybe we have to uh, talk again at some point because that's fine. <laughs> there's there's that so much. Cool. There's there's so much stuff I, I want to ask you about. So, um, the Robert Fripp String Quintet. Yeah. How yeah. does that fit into the timeline?
1: you know it's you it's right around the same time it was um is it after sylvian it is it's after sylvian but before crimson mm-hmm. uh, and um i don't even know how it started to be honest i think it may have it it, it, it may have been initiated um because we started going to japan again robert had funny when I when I first went to Japan with Robert and with David Sylvian as a trio. He said, How old was I at the time? Um, 33? He said, Oh, you're ahead of me. And I was like, What are you kidding? You had like a hit record when you were 19. And he said, Well, I didn't get to go to Japan until I was 40. (laughs) Like, okay well if you think i'm ahead of you then I mean, that makes me feel good but <laughs> um but then we he, so he hadn't been to japan since like 85 and so now we started and, and i i suspect it's possible that the, the trio might have been born out of him being invited to go to japan and, and he was like well let's let's uh let's bring trey and, and and the trio and see what we can do together and um you know, it's such an interesting project. I, 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 I feel like I can, I mean, a lot of people really like it. I feel like I can say it was successful in other ways. Maybe the unsuccessful part to me is just unrealized potential. Mm-hmm. Like we are kind of, you know, and, and, but, um, I loved playing the, the Bach pieces with the trio. I mean, for me, that was, just an awesome treat and we didn't um i don't think we recorded there's a couple i played with them and we didn't get them all recorded there but um the pascalia and then there was oh contrapunctus i don't think the con- is it con- have you heard the contrapunctus from the art of the fugue i i'm trying to remember if it's on there i think it is i don't i don't think it is no? um you know which one i'm talking about but the, the the bass is it's not the pascalia
0: um,
1: it's from the art of the fugue and it's yes, one of them.
0: I think I think it's on the it's on the album okay there. All so right. um, on which supposedly is a studio album which i think it was recorded live right right okay so, well e- either
1: way i i i've always loved I and mean, been playing Bach on the piano since i was a small child and to be able to i mean probably for me that's probably what really opened up the instrument was being able to i mean bach is just the king daddy of the melodic line and and mm-hmm. it works on every instrument but it really works on the fits tuning mm-hmm. you know it, it probably but it's not just because he wrote so much for violin and cello it's just the the lines are just the lines and they're such a crazy inner logic so being able to play that stuff and have to Uh, deal with your instrument and figure out you can't, you can't, um, you know, with the rock stuff, the the improv and stuff we do, you know, you can, you can make up your fingerings on the fly. Mm -hmm. You need to, or you can change, you know, I'll change like, Oh, this finger's not doing so great tonight. I'll use this one or it doesn't sound, you know, I'll, I'll do this. But with that box shit, you can't do that at all. You gotta, you gotta figure out the best fingering and practice it and, so that was really awesome and um, just memorizing that the um, possibility
0: yeah, it sounds pretty awesome on that on that record I think yeah, it's like yeah. such such a powerful rendition of that piece where it really kind of like shows the uh, the other side of that music that's never really represented when classical players play it
1: yeah it can rock it can totally rock yeah, yeah. yeah. and a lot of that's I mean, that's coming from Bert, Bert, uh, Bert Lamb's uh, initiative there. But you know, with the trio, you have this kind of—they uh, come as a thing. They're like a—they're like a single thing, even though it's three of them. So mm-hmm. they kind of uh, made a core to the project that, that Robert and I could fit in and around, and uh, was cool. It's cool. And I think we often. Did we also like in the show with urban landscape that we used to do with David Silian super bleak chromatically dissonant landscape. Yes. Is that on the record?
0: Yeah. There's there's one on the record but there's also this bootleg this Japanese bootleg that has yeah, a whole yeah. show and there's yeah. like three of those uh, soundscape tracks and they, they're awesome like super they like really part of my musical dna yeah putting
1: that language. playing that stuff and you know we used to do we we would do with 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 david Sylvian when it was just the trio when it was the five piece we didn't do this but with the trio we would end the show with urban landscape and um you know i would set up the 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 initial a hovering sound of the the minor third, but with the major seventh, and not it, no fifth. And then Robert would start his chromatic thing, and then David would do all his weird shit, and it was bleak. <laughs> you know, it was bleak. But the thing is, it, it worked because you're there with Robert and David. But when we would do that, when we went to do the the um, the, the, the 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 string quintet. And the Japanese audience, you could just see like they had just seen us with David Sylvian and and beautiful David and beautiful David's voice, and now here we're doing urban landscape with these these dorky guys on stage, and there was there felt like there was confusion in the room, (laughs) and then that's the end of the show. I mean, I think we we probably had a little like a little kicker encore after it, but yeah,
0: yeah, you know, but I think that has been maybe the why I I I like the you know, the King Crimson family, let's say, or some parts of it so much, because there was sometimes this 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 uh braveness to to go to a place that is as you say bleak or even brutal or aggressive and sort of like um uh, taking taking into account the uh the twentieth century, really. yeah, yeah, and 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 that that I thought was kind of like really, that was also kind of like the direction that like I wanted the band to go, right? mm. which didn't quite happen, but but that was that was really what what was so interesting to me.
1: Yeah, yeah, and with the, with the string quintet, actually, we didn't call it Urban Landscape. I remember now, Trinity for Souls in Torment.
0: Yeah, but the urban landscape is also there yeah that. okay yes <laughs> i know threnody yeah exactly and that and that piece is also on that um on that album that djm put out and it's, it's right right awesome. right
1: right right yeah right.
0: yeah, yeah it's
1: it's um i feel like um you know it's funny it's funny this 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 uh reference just pops into my head and and i'll explain why but um there's like um there's like happy-go-lucky entertainment, and then there's like pseudo dark, and then there's real dark. And for me, The Lord of the Rings kind of is similar because it embodies like so many different aspects of narrative and story, and the darkness is fucking real. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. like real, you know, and and born out of World War One and World War Two, and twentieth century is a tough, it's a tough cookie. <laughs> it, is. it is. So you know, it is. It is. It it, it, it it's cool, and it, it it's cool to play in there. Risky because people may not go with you, but if you've already lured them in, you might as well.
0: You know, it's the it's the healing powers, really, of yeah. that kind of music. And and really, I was I was aware of that effect probably first with David Sylvian's work, where I was when I first started listening to it. I was maybe 16, 17 or something like that. And listening to this music that was so apparently, like to me at least, sad, mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, melancholy kind of like, and on pur- purpose. On purpose. Yeah. And me like listening to it and then realizing, okay, it made me sad. But after listening to uh, Boy with the Gun, right, <laughs> I felt great.
1: Right. Like, like
0: it was, it re- I, I really experienced that, like, you know, li- really uh, letting myself in for the ride was extremely, extremely helpful and extremely, um, cathartic. That's the word. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and that's also why I think uh, in a way, if we have the opportunity to be on stage and, you know, we, we have this power, a little bit of power to give people an ex- experience of catharsis, right? Like why not? And even if it's just that one loud wrong note that you play in a solo, you know, and and I've 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 always um kind of like seen um like it's like the, the projects which we probably won't get to today like but sort of like was really um uh, super crazy I mean was that was that actually I I mean I I can't imagine like how that came about how that music came about but and I, I, I seem to remember that um, you know, like these motifs um, that you developed between uh, Robert and you, the uh, this uh, symmetrical scale stuff that was right. Um, that was just so out of out of out of the popular culture. It was just mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. ridiculously wrong. Let's say. And mm-hmm. then you guys went with it. And I think. Yeah. That, it's interesting. It's wrong, but
1: you could also say it comes right from Stradinsky, which is 100 years old.
0: Yeah. 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 You know, you, I mean, you know, when I say wrong, I right, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know what you mean. I know what you mean. <laughs> uh, but then also, like, like uh, this, this uh, the whole um, environment, let's say, mm. in which that music was presented. Was just it was just radical, mm. like, like uh, being at the jazz cafe and and those improvs. Like it was just so kind of like it. I really think that that a new style of music was born there. Mm. Mm. And yeah, like that. A yeah. lot of a lot of uh, contemporary jazz you hear, kind of like comes from that spirit somehow. And yeah. th- there's yeah. probably the, may, plenty parallel developments, but. Um, I still think that was that was really important, and you know, like for me, like seeing you, the eight-string instrument there, like coming jumping back to the touch guitar, and and you sort of like using that instrument either as a bass or a keyboard instrument with the MIDI sounds even, and the lead sounds, the soaring lead sounds, and um, almost like more like using the instrument like a like a flute in that mm. regard, right? Um, that was in a way, you were the one the one guy who, who had like every, all this, all the sub elements of the band in in one person mm. like you were the glue and sort of mm. and I don't know if that was something like that you experienced it that way, but it was as if you you had to sort of had mm. to uh, connect there to that guy. you had to connect to that guy and you had to connect to the other guy so in order to to um, to make this work also spiritually. I don't know if, if you would agree with that. But, but that's sort of like what I felt was your role was and you being also the, the youngest, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and you're right, there's probably a lot more to talk about the the, the projects than we, we have time for now. But um, that was kind of why I wanted to consolidate the instrument down to, to eight strings and have it um, have um, have more of those uh, those. Uh, for me, it was all about blending. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which interestingly is the is the main element of a keto. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so, but, but like to be able to have all these different roles, but be able to jump to them very quickly. To me, just didn't make sense to have two separate groups of strings yeah. and all these different sounds, you know, that it, it just, I, I wanted, um, I don't know. I wanted like, like you have the whole keyboard and it just flows from one roll to the other across the whole thing. There were different sounds, you know, but, but, but um, yeah, I mean, that was the trick, you know, how do you play with this guy and then how do you, with this guy, it's a different thing, you know, the, 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 these different personalities just between Tony and Robert, you know, or, mm-hmm. or, or mm-hmm. Adrian and Robert. And so, yeah, that, that flexibility, like, the, I don't know what you call it, floating point. Maybe I was the floating point.
0: <laughs> yeah, but really, really my compliments, because I think that you really made that whole thing work and, and. And I, you know, it's kind of like speaks for me for this universal musicianship that I yeah. think is something that we kind of strive for, right? Like yeah. it's, it's not a, just about playing, it's, it's about the production, it's about the sculpting, as you call it, right? It's, yeah. it's and it's, it's about, it's also about the physical aspect of playing. It's, it's about understanding a polyrhythm. It's, yeah. it's about ear training. And performance, and performance as an art, right? And and all these aspects, that kind of like, and and this is sort of, um, sort of like the, um, in a way, like like anachronistic kind of version of what people were to become in the '90s and 2000s. Right. Like where, where like the, the image was, was still, and it's changed now, but where it was like you're only allowed to be good at one thing. Mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm. You know what I mean, Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and, and yeah. so, so, so I, that, that's sort of like, that was kind of like the whole vibe of it. And, and, and what we should also like, okay, no, you go for it.
1: Well, I was going to say, I wonder how much of that came from uh, the industry defining what musicians are as opposed to letting the music just go, you know? When you listen back to the early 60s, I know it's hard for a lot of people to not hear the 60s sounds, but if you listen to uh, some of the music, there was this, the musicians just gave the music freedom to do all sorts of crazy shit that people don't do nowadays. Mm -hmm. They feel constrained, you know? So that's, yeah.
0: No, no, you're you're right. And I think uh, the word industry is, correct i think it's the under industrialization itself yeah um that created the worker as mm. the worker in the factory not the worker working need- at, on a farm right it's not the guy yeah. on a farm who like when you don't have work you just walk to the next farm and you work there right so just mm. this idea like you go to that one factory you get you know you start at eight in the morning you, you know like you have everything is laid out for you you get your money uh every 2 weeks or every 4 weeks or whatever and you you do that for 45 years and then you retire and a few years later you die and right. <laughs> you know that that has been like kind of the most and you're doing one you're doing a specific task yes oh, yeah. only that one specific task and 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 sort of that obviously has has been such a kind of like um, a blueprint for people's lives and also mm. for, for what people are allowed to do. Right. Mm. And, and I'm, I'm so, killer. yeah, I'm so, I'm so glad that like, I think that we're over that as, mm. uh, you know, well, not completely, but I think humanity has moved on from that. A There's bit a, that certainly is. the
1: option to not do that is there. Yes. <laughs> yeah.
0: <exactly. laughs> yeah. But I, I, find it interesting that music sort of is almost, almost always, if you're looking at, um, um, you know, the the history, um, it's always a little bit of a precursor, mm-hmm. right? Like, at the same time, you could say, okay, the music is a result of the worldview and the historical events and stuff like that. But, but I also think the other way around.
1: Yeah, no, it's, I mean, that's what, the, to, you know, we could get even more esoteric, but the, 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 the a, a, a creative action is, it's, it's, it's the other way. It's not the result. It's the, it's the, it's, yeah. it's the impetus of it. You know, yeah, yeah, it's just yeah, whoever's, whoever, who's, who's the bravest to run with it. You know, yeah. that's,
0: that's, that's, you know. Yeah. Okay, Trey. So let's, let's stop here for today. And um, yeah, Shit, uh, we, did, is, we only it, got we only got to
1: the mid '90s, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Uh, it's really inter- it's really interesting to look back and look at it with a different perspective.
0: Yeah, and I I know that you've done uh, a few interviews recently where you were going into the past, but I uh,
1: it's not like this because because we know each other and and uh, Okay people don't know the instrument that well. I I really enjoyed talking with Shane. I got to say, do you know him at all? Yeah, yeah. A uh, great player,
0: yeah, 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 oh, yeah. Uh, okay, so um, let's uh, try to talk again in a few days maybe and um, then I, I can, you know, release this as two episodes or whatever. Let's... People can spend
1: their whole night <laughs> looking at our faces. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you know, it's interesting, but let's talk about that next time. But I, I also want to get into into this conversation of, like, why I'm in a position to actually even have to do something like this, right? Right. It's, it's right. sort of like the recent developments and, and, and shit. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. thanks, man. Yeah. All right. We'll talk soon. Yep. Yeah, bye for now, Trey. All right. Cheers. Bye. Yes.